We got a special guest. He's one of my good friends, uh, great preacher, great dude. Can I just be honest? A great dude all around. And, and here's the deal. It's probably one of the few people that can go and sit in a barbecue restaurant for hours. We, right? I mean, we've seen we've seen literal shift changes at barbecue restaurants while we're sitting there talking about the things of God. And, and so, man, I am looking forward to this message today. And so can we give God praise for my good friend, Keith Fountain, as he comes to share the word? Wow, I don't know how to follow that. I really don't. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. Man, it is, I mean, is it, isn't it good to be in the house of God in 2024? Yes. I mean, who thought we would have flying cars by now? Yes. yes. I mean, the Jetsons said we would, but we don't. Um, it's okay, though. Uh, we're, we're still here. Um, you know, we've made it. Uh, we're all breathing. We're all, we're all uh, you know, here. We're all... Um, in the presence of God and still, still um, praising him for what we're doing, right? I, you know, and, and as he says, my, my name is Keith, and I, I, I love this congregation. I love this family. Like, when I come here, it, it's like coming home. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when we walk through the door, you know, I had somebody tell me the other, uh, that came the last time that I preached, and they said, man, that's the most welcoming church I've ever been in in my life. You can't walk five feet without somebody saying hello, hugging your neck, or shaking your hand. And I'm like, this is a testimony to you guys, you know? And I, I just want to say that because, you know, that is a reflection of who your pastor is. You know, Pastor Josh and Kelly, they, they put their whole heart into this place. And, and, you know, he is so passionate. I've known him for a long time, and he is passionate. He hasn't changed, and he is passionate about what he does. Him and Kelly are so passionate about you and, and making you a part of this family and, and, you know, just loving everybody that walks through the door. And he keeps saying, and I heard him last week, and I texted him after the message, and I said, I keep hearing you say this, no one walks alone. And it's true. And that's what he puts forth. You know, every week he wants to make sure that whoever walks through that door, no matter your situation, that you're not walking alone. You have somebody to stand with you. And so, therefore, when you walk through the door, there's somebody to greet you. You walk five feet, there's another person to greet you. You walk five more feet, there's another person to greet you. And so, you know, that just speaks to this house. And so I want to say thank you for you know, Pastor Josh and Kelly for allowing me to come up here and fill in. He'll be back probably next week. So, I mean, you know, I'm just the bullpen coming in uh, and, and taking over. So the starting pitcher will be back next week. So don't worry. Uh, and he, he's, he's twice as good as I am. So y'all uh, are in for a treat, and it will be powerful. So I want to start off today uh, with a little lightheartedness, okay? So I want to tell a story real quick. So there was this elderly lady. All right, and if you've heard this, don't spoil it for nobody. So <laughs> there was this elderly lady, and, and one day she was, you know, just looking over her budget, and she didn't have enough food. She didn't have enough money to get food. She didn't have enough money to do hardly anything. And so she was, she was struggling financially, but this was a Christian praying woman, okay? So she walks out on her front porch, and she just cries out, Oh, God, oh, God, I don't have enough in my budget to get any 
groceries. I have nothing, Lord, but I praise you for it. I praise you for it because I know that you are my provider and that you are going to take care of every need. Well, the guy that lived next door to her didn't believe in God at all. He yelled out, there's no God. She kept praising, thank you, Lord, for my neighbor, as we all do, right? <laughs> so next thing you know, she goes to bed, and it's been some time, and the next thing you know, there's groceries that show up on her front porch. Her neighbor has done went and bought groceries and put it on her front porch. Okay, so she comes out the, the next morning. She opens up the door, and he's hiding in the bushes. And she's got groceries on the front porch. She opens up the door. She says, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sending me groceries. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my needs. Well, he jumps out from the bushes and goes, I did it. I did it. God didn't do this. I did it. I brought you groceries. She says, thank you, God, for bringing me groceries and making the devil pay for it. So I just want to tell you today, if you're in provision and you need provision, God will make the devil pay for it, and he already has, and his word already says he has. So I want to start off with that, and just a little lightheartedness, because I want you to understand, what do we do, what do we need to do when the devil knocks, okay? And make no mistake, the devil will knock. If you're a follower of Jesus, the devil is going to knock at one point in time. So what do we do? So here, here's, here's what I need to, I, I need y'all to help me. Can y'all help me real quick? So I need, I, I need you to help me to announce my sermon title to y'all's neighbor because I don't think they get it. I don't think they can read it. So I want you to look at your neighbor and say, greater is he that is in you. Now look at your other neighbor and say, than he that's in the world. Okay. So we're going to dive into this. So, you know, in Genesis, it says, in, in four, Genesis 4, 7, if you do what is right, you will not be accepted. Did you hear that? If you do what is right, you will not be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must, everybody say must, rule over it. Okay? So you get that. Sin's there. Sin's always going to be there. The devil is going to be there until the end. But we rule over it as followers of Christ. Okay? So this is what I want to I throw out there. So what, so what I want to do is equip you today. So we're equipping people. I, that's when you come to church. You don't come to church just to sit. You come to church to be equipped, okay? Because th this world is, is, man, there's so much to this world. If we don't have our equipment right, if we're not equipped to battle this world, we're going to be what? Of the world, right? So we're going to be of the world. So what I want to do is equip the body of Christ to know how to battle against the enemy. We're going to go to battle. Y'all ready? I'm ready. So understand that the, that the devil hates God. Do you all understand that? He, he hates God. Hates him with a passion. But the funny part is, is that God doesn't hate him. Huh. Amazing. The devil hates you. And his mission 
is laid out in the scripture. His mission is to do what? To steal, kill, and destroy. Steal what? Kill what? Destroy what? Everything that matters to the heart of God. Okay? He's going to do it. That, and, 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 the, and I'll, that encapsulates one word. Humans. Because he created you from his heart. Genesis says, let's make man in our own image. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians 6, 12, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I want you all to get that. Listen, we're not warring against our neighbor. I'm not warring against Pastor Jeremy at all. You know what? What I'm warring against is that spirit that's in this world. So it's our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of, listen, of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Think about that. He lays out really quickly, Paul lays out that there is not only evil in this world, but it goes beyond this world. It, it's above our world. It's outside of our world. And so that's why we need to understand how to hear the voice of God and understand when it's God speaking and when it's the devil speaking. Because they are alive and well, and they are powerful. I'm telling you, God created these beings to be powerful. They were angels. They are powerful. They have jobs, just like we do. They have jobs, and they are powerful. And when they, and, and, and when they fell, they became more powerful because they were enraged with everything that the devil had said that they should be. So now they're even more powerful, but not than God. But they can, they can overtake us. It's what the word says. For we're struggling not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities. So there's a spiritual realm as well as a physical world. Okay? Let me say that again. There's a spiritual realm as well as a physical world. He says this battle we fight against many powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Guys, this is real. And if you don't think so, read the word. Demons are real. The devil's real. We have a spiritual enemy. <laughs> you might know what his name is. What's his name? He has a lot of different names. A lot, a lot of different names. So I'll tell you a few. He's called Satan. He's called Lucifer. He's called the deceiver, the accuser. He's called the father of lies. And he's called the prince of darkness. Now, how do I know he's called the father of lies? Because Jesus said it. <laughs> he's in the red letters. He said that in the red letters. So, I want to do this. I, I want to I go over, and I'll, I'll set this up real quick. Uh, I want to go over to 1 John 4, chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. So, what we're talking about today is jumping into this is hearing the voice of God and knowing the voice of the enemy. Because I, I, I think it's very important that we understand 
what the enemy brings to the table. I mean, do y'all? I mean, it's, 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 it's very important to understand what the devil has to offer. Why? If you don't know your enemy, how, how many of you guys were ever in the military? Who's in the military in here? Okay. The military, they will go strategy on the enemy. Why? Because they need to know what they have so they can bring their very best to defeat the enemy. So why would we not do the same? Why would we sit back as Christians and sit here and say, oh, I got this today. I got this. No, we have to understand what the enemy has. So let's look at uh, 1 John verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. It said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits. Whether they are God, but because many false prophets have gone out into this world, that means they're already here. Okay? Now, some people say it's anti, uh, it, some, some translations say it's antichrist there. And, he's, and it's already saying there, the antichrist is already in this world. That's anything against Christ, antichrist. So remember that. By this, you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Okay? So, verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not God. So right there, they're saying, if you don't believe, if you don't believe with your mouth, if you don't say out of your mouth that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, then you don't believe that there's God. You, 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 it's the wrong spirit. You're not of God. But if you do, you're of God. So if you believe in Christ, you're of God. If you don't believe in Christ, you're not of God. It's, it's simple. It's very simple. Verse 4. You are of God, little children. <laughs> he has to speak to us on our level. I know he does mine. And have overcome them. Oh, what hope. What hope? Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who's he talking about? He is Jesus, is greater in, that's in you than he who is the devil that's in the world. Because if you read to the end of this book, we win. Jesus wins. The devil's gone. He's in the abyss. He, he's in the bottomless pit. And when we say the bottomless pit, I don't know if you've ever fallen but have you ever had those dreams where you're just falling? Okay, and it's scary. That's what it is. It is the bottomless pit. He is going to fall and fall and fall and fall and fall and never stop. Because that's where God's going to put him and lock him up and never see him again, which is awesome. So, let's look at verse 5. And they are of the world. Therefore, they speak as the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. What great hope. Again, he who does, he, I'm sorry, he who knows God hears us. He who, do, who, he who is not of God does not hear us. Oh. Oh. 
That, boy, that, that, yeah, that's a whole sermon, that one little sentence right there. Listen, if you're, if you're having to repeat yourself to somebody over and over and over and over and over again and they're not listening, it's probably a reason why. But it says right there, by this we know that the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray real quick. Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for this house. I thank you for Pastor Josh and Pastor Kelly and Pastor Jeremy and this whole team, Lord, and, and Rachel. And, Lord, we just thank you for what you do in this house. Lord, we ask that you just bless your word today. Lord, decrease me as, as you increase, Father. And, and let, me, let me deliver this how you gave it. Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So now, as we look at that, I want to I start off by, by my first point is saying the voice of the enemy will always accuse you, deceive you, and lie to you. That's my first point. Like, if you're being deceived, accused, or lied to, guess what? It's the voice of the enemy. It's easy. Listen, this doesn't have to be hard. This thing doesn't have to be hard. But the voice of the enemy will always drag you into a dark place and leave you without hope, without joy, and without a sound mind. Let me say that again. The voice of the enemy will always drag you into a dark place and leave you without hope, without joy, and without a sound mind. Why? Because that's where he wants to keep you. Why? Because he knows that he has you in chains. You know, Pastor Josh said last week, what's keeping you back? What's holding you back from receiving all that God has for you? What? What's that thing? You know, and, and, and here we are looking at this. <coughs> Excuse me. That this is what it is. The devil is going to drag you down and hold you. But. Let's look in Genesis. So, so I, I want to I go over to Genesis 3, 1 through 5. But before that, I want to ask you a question. Who's ever heard the old saying, the devil made me do it? Yeah. Have you heard that? All right. So uh, I've heard that all my life. Well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. <coughs> you made you do it. The devil can't make you do anything. He can only suggest he can accuse, he can lie to you, and he can deceive you. But you have the choice because we were given free will by God Almighty to choose. It says, choose this day whom you will serve. We have a choice, okay? And when we have a choice, that means the devil can't do a thing. We've already covered that we've overcome him. It, it just said it in the Word. We, we overcome this. So, I'm going to tell you a story about the first person who ever said, the devil made me do it, which was Eve. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said... Listen to this. Listen to his words and how he twists it. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He's already prying into what God said to her. He knows what God said to her. 
He's just prying at this point. He's wanting to get her to confess it and to bring forth what God said. So he said, <coughs> the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Wait a second. What, what, so that's going back to what we, we talked about is the, the, the voice of the enemy will accuse you, deceive you, and lie to you. So he's already contradicting what God said. Okay? Because God said, you're going to die. He said, surely you won't die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of, of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So we all know how this story ends. It's actually still going. But we all know that, of course, they ate of the fruit and all this happened and, and God came down and, and, and here they were as, you know, I, I love one of the things that, that, that God said to them in that garden was, uh, you know, he, he came down and they were naked and had sown fig leaves and all this. And he said, who told you you were naked? Again, the devil deceiving them. Their eyes were open. So again, she, she looks at God and says, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. The devil was the one that came to me and said, you... You can eat of this fruit. You're not going to die. So, uh, of course, she was, he had deceived them. Things happened. And now we are here where we are today. So I want to I talk, I, I want to sit here for just a second and, and talk about the accuser. Okay? So, so maybe you're asking me, uh, are we really having a message about the devil? Like, is this message about the devil? You know, I, I, you're, you're probably saying to yourself, I, I want to hear how good, good God is. I come to church to hear how good God is, not about the devil. But the message this morning is not about a, a devil enlightening message. It's, it's a message about how he's defeated. Okay? God is stronger. God is stronger than the devil will ever be. Okay? You have to remember God created the devil. So if he created him, then he's stronger than him. If you create something, can you not disassemble it? Can you not take it down and put it back together again and reassemble it a different way? Yeah, you can do that because you created it. But I think it's important for us to understand the enemy. You'll never fight a battle against an enemy that you don't even know that you have. You won't fight it. Why? Because you're not equipped. You're not equipped to fight it. So let me look over, and I told you, if you read the end of this book, let me, let me jump over to Revelation 12.10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his, of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. We win. Why? Because of Jesus. We win because of Jesus. And that's why the Bible talks about if we don't believe in Jesus, he does, then it's the enemy. 
Because he doesn't want us to believe in Jesus. Because when we don't believe in Jesus, then it takes us away from the Father. Okay? So, the Greek word translated as accuser in the word is dabalos. Did you know it's used 35 different times in the New Testament? Accuser. And it's translated as devil, adversary, or accuser. Understand, he is defeated by the risen Christ. Can we all agree with that? He's, he's defeated. But he doesn't stop accusing you day and night. You know those times where you're sitting there and you can't sleep and your mind's running like 900 miles an hour and you're sitting here and you're thinking about things that are going on in your life and, 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 and it's just compiling and compounding and compounding and all of a sudden it's just like I can't sleep, I can't get any sleep and then all of a sudden you think to yourself, well, you know what, I, I have greater power over him. Father, in Jesus' name, quiet my mind. Speak. That's all we have to do. That's him. That's the accuser. He's coming after you to accuse you of everything that you've done during the day to get you off the track of where you should be. But this is interesting because at least an accuser will, before you ever sin, lie to you. Let me say that again. An accuser will lie to you before you ever sin. Okay? Then... He'll say, go ahead and show off. You know, I mean, you're driving down the road, and somebody cut you off, and you gave them, you know, told them that they were number one. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and say that word because they deserve it, right? Go ahead and tell them what they deserve. Just go ahead and let it out. You'll feel better. Go ahead and yell. Everybody's going to understand. See how he does that? He accuses. He deceives you. But afterward, the tone changes. Then he says, you're unworthy. You're unlovable. You're undeserving. You're nothing. Before you sin, the devil says, go ahead and do it. It's no big deal. Everybody else does it. But you're not going to get caught. Besides, who really cares? It's your life anyway, right? Go ahead and do it. After you do it, he says, you're pathetic. You're pathetic. You're no good. God doesn't love you. God will never use you again. I've seen time and time where pastors go down a road that they have tripped and fell, stumbled along the way. And they hear that voice that says, God will never use you again. But I love watching it when they decide, I'm going to pull my bootstraps, myself up by my bootstraps, and I'm going to jump back in because God's grace says, I can do this again. Because I'm going to tell you, if, if there's something in you, the devil is going to come after it. And if you're any good at it, he's going to come after you even harder. And so this right here, he continues to drive in it, but you have to out overcome this. So, before you sin, he lies. Look at your neighbor and say, before you sin, he lies. After you sin, he accuses. Okay. When the devil talks to you about God, he lies. 
When the devil talks to you about you, though, he accuses. Huh. You're no good. You're pathetic. You're unworthy. You're unlovable. Think about that. He's accusing you. He's accusing you of being no good. He's accusing you of being pathetic. He's accusing you of being unworthy, and he's accusing you of being unlovable. And where does that place us? In the dark place. Now we, now we put ourselves in a corner, and now we're to ourselves and won't let anybody around. How many of you guys know somebody like that? They seclude themselves. They put themselves in a corner and say, I... I don't want to hear anybody. It's because the voice of the enemy is louder than the voice of God. So I'm talking to you today about understanding how to know the voice of the accuser. Imagine yourself standing before God and you've got the stain of sin. I want you to think about this for a second. God is holy, and suddenly you feel incredibly guilty. Then you imagine the prosecutor, the accuser, the devil sitting there pointing out what you did wrong and making his list. Think about this. You know, for me, it could have been, hey, didn't you used to steal some things from the store? Didn't you cheat on tests from time to time? <laughs> Don't you say some bad words? Didn't you let people down again and again? Oh, that's a hard one. Whew. And just, and I can just feel myself shrinking as the devil accuses me of this stuff. And, and if you think... <laughs> If you think because I stand up here, it, it, it excuses me from all that, it does not. You can sit here and talk to my wife. There's times I've said I've had enough, God. I don't even want to preach anymore. I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done with what your word says because you know what? It never goes my way. I've been at that place where I said I never want to do this again. But I've had to pull myself out of it. I've had to, I've had to surround myself with people that says you can come out of this. You can do this. You know, it even says, I mean, David said himself, here's David, the king of Israel. God's, I mean, it says a man after God's own heart. And he said, sometimes I just have to just... Encourage my own self because there's nobody else standing around me that's going to do it. There is nobody that's going to that's going to sit here and, and and encourage you except for you. There's sometimes it's just you and God. Okay, stop depending on people to lift you up and look into the Word of God and say, God, you've got this. I want to hear your voice. So to my point. The devil accuses, hurling down guilt and shame and condemnation. Why? Because that's what he does. Okay? 
So I'm going to recap real quick. That was a whole lot of stuff. But let's recap. The devil is the enemy of God. He's the accuser, deceiver, and even by Jesus himself was called the father of lies. If you're being accused, deceived, and lied to, then it's 100% guaranteed that you are hearing the voice of the enemy. If you want to look that up, it's John 8, 44 is where Jesus called him the father of lies. Now let's move on. Y'all ready? Y'all still with me? Still with me? Okay. Okay, so, so uh, Jer Pastor Jeremy said I had two hours, so we're good. Uh, just checking the time. Um, <laughs> so the enemy would like you to believe that you can't hear God's voice. Okay? He wants you to believe that. But the truth is God is speaking all the time. We just have to learn to become more attuned to hearing the word and discerning the difference between his voice and the enemy's voice. Okay? I mean, we, we know the difference between our husband's voice and somebody else's voice, right? I mean, and, and your, your mother's voice and somebody else's voice. I can guarantee you, mom can be across the house and yell to the kids. Well, well this day and age. Used to. <laughs> Mama would scream out and they'd come running because they knew mom's voice. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. They come running. Now, God's voice, listen to this. I want, I want you to, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this one down. Because God's voice will never contradict Scripture. Never. So as we go back and look in Genesis, what did the devil say? Surely you're not going to die. But God said you will die. It's Scripture. It is written. It is written. Because God's voice will never contradict Scripture. You also can always take what you're hearing and look and see if it's consistent with what God's word has already said. If it is, you can be fairly assured that you have heard God's voice. Okay? God will never tell you to do something that would contradict what his word says. He would never tell a woman. All right, hold on now. Hold on. Hold on. He would never tell a woman, for example, that it's okay for her to have an affair with another man's husband. Okay, that goes against God's word. That would be something that the enemy would say. And I'm going to tell you what, the enemy will place you, he, he's so cunning, he, he, he's conniving. He will place you in the exact spot that you need to be to execute his lie. He'll be, he'll, he'll, Satan will put you in the exact place you need to be to execute his lie. Every single time. So let me set this next story up to you. I love this story. I love this story so much. So I, I, I love the prophet Elijah. He, he is, this dude's bold, okay? And, and, and talking about hearing the voice of God, I mean, I know like now we, you know, audibly, I mean, there's not a, you know, from the voice of heaven, there's not that. Usually it's the guy at the supermarket telling you we're closing and get out. Okay, so, so here is Elijah, a prophet from God that was told to go tell the king of Israel. Now imagine you being this prophet, and you were told, go tell King Ahab, there's going to be no rain for years. Whew. 
I'd be like, really? You want me to do that? Okay, so I say he, he's a lot stronger than I would be. But he said he, he, there would be a drought in the land. You don't understand. It's like, guys, we go to the grocery store. We get whatever we want whenever we want it. It's at our fingertips, whether it's in season or out of season, right? Man, you get some strawberries right now. It's going to be the worst strawberries you've ever had because it's out of season, okay? But we can get them. Why? Because we, we've got ways of producing. They didn't. Rain in that day meant growth, harvest for their people. It meant water for their animals. It, it, it meant water for the people. You can't go more than three days without water. So you imagine if everything dried up, imagine just the chaos that's going to happen. But this was at the hand of God. So, God did this because the people of Israel were torn between two gods. They had started worshiping another god named Baal. Okay, so this is the coolest story ever. I wish I could have been there. That would have been fun. But here they are going up to Mount Carmel. Okay, so they, they track up to Mount Carmel. And there's about 400 of these prophets of Baal. Okay. So you, you've got them tracking up this mountain. They're carrying all kind of stuff to make an altar because Elijah has challenged them to, to literally say, all right, it's your God or my God. Let's see what you can do. So he says, bring two bulls, bring wood, bring altars, bring stones, and we're going to make an altar. And I want you to cut up the bull. I want you to place it on top of the wood. And, but I don't want you to light any fire under it. I want you to pray for fire. I want you to ask your God for fire. So they did, and of course they danced around. And I loved it because in the story, he, they, like, Elijah starts mocking them. <laughs> they start mocking him because he knows it's funny. Because he knows that no matter what they do, that, that their God is not going to answer because he's dead. So he tells them, he gives them some time, nothing happens, of course. So he gives them some time, and he says, all right, fine. I'm going to make this a little bit more interesting. Cut up. We're going to cut up the bull. We're going to put him on top of the wood. I'm not going to put any fire on it. And then what I want you to do is I want you to take water and dump it on top of it. How I many of you know that wood doesn't burn if it's wet? Okay? And then I want you to dig a trench around it. And I want you to begin to start putting water all in that trench around it. And then I'm going to call my God, and he's going to take care of that. Okay? So he did. So he called on God. God sent fire from heaven. It burned up the bull. It burned up the wood. It burned up the stones. How many of you guys have ever seen the stone burned? It burned up the stone. And then came down, and it says, the Bible says, and it came down and licked the water up out of the trenches. That's my God. My God licks the rest of it up and says, that's who I am. He doesn't leave anything unturned. He don't even leave the stones for you to create another altar. Because he said that's enough. So then out of all this, Ahab went and told Jezebel what happened. So Jezebel, you, you got to jump into her. She, she's the crazy nut. Okay, so Jezebel says, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to send my guys after him, and I'm going to kill him. So Elijah did what any great prophet of God did. He grabbed his staff, and he stood up and said, no, you're not. You're not going to kill me. No, I'm just kidding. He ran for his dog-haunted life is what he did. He ran and ran and ran. 
And I'm telling you, the journey was long. So long that during his journey, there was quite a few stops in which, listen to this, the angel of the Lord would tap him on the shoulder and wake him up and say, it's time to eat. And it would, he would provide cake. Oh, thank you, Lord, for cake. <laughs> he would provide cake and a jug of water when there was a drought in the land to feed him. So I want to stop right here. And I, I want to, last night, man, I'm telling you, this was, this was just awesomely crazy because during me studying for this, and, and I started out with one page and ended up with five, so bear with me. I'm getting through it. I'm almost through. So when I was studying for this message, I heard the Lord say to me last night, there's someone that will be under the sound of your voice during this message that is experiencing a drought in their life. The streams have dried up, the food is scarce, and you have no idea how you're going to pay for that overdue bill. But just as Elijah said in King, to King Ahab in 1 Kings 18.41, I'm here to say to you today, for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. The Lord said, do not worry, I am your provider. I am your comforter, and I am the hill in which your help comes from. Look to me, I don't take, and don't take your eyes off of me. The outpouring of the Lord is here, and it sounds like an abundance of rain. Thus says the Lord. I'm going to leave that for whoever that is. Because the Lord spoke it, and I'm going to obey him. So in that, let's talk about Elijah. He's found himself in a cave now. He's done went and hid in a cave. And it says in 1 Kings 19, 9 through 13, it says, And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Man. How many times have we heard that from God? What are you doing here? Hey, remember, he's running scared. He's not running with confidence that he serves the God that just came down and literally burn up everything. He's running like a scared chicken. And I know those chickens run scared all the time. You just move the wrong way and they're gone. So he said... I have been, this is Elijah saying to God, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. Yeah, okay, whatever. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. I'm the only one, so I needed to run. <laughs> and they seek to take my life, so I'm going to run. Rather than standing up and saying, you're not going to do this. I serve the God that just burned up everything. Uh-uh. He ran. And then he said, Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Sometimes... We have to get out of our dark place and step out so God can talk to us for a minute. We have to come into the light. We have to stand out on the cliff where when we look down, there is nothing but us and 
the abyss. Because God says, I need you to step out. He needs you to take that first step. Because we, we want to stay in our comfort zone. We want to sit in church and stay in our comfort zone. We don't, want, we don't want to do anything. We don't want to serve. We don't want to give. We don't want to do nothing. We just want to come here, get a little sermon, and then go home. We want to hear about the good things of God, but we want to go home. And then we go about our business, and then next week we come back, and then we do exactly what Pastor Josh said last week. Why does the same thing keep coming after me? It's because we're not equipped and we're not stepping out and taking that first step to hear the voice of God throughout our week. We're staying in our cave. It says, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. But remember, he sent it, but he wasn't in it. <laughs> Oof. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. Again, he sent it, but he wasn't in it. Then after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Again, he sent it, but wasn't in it. And after the fire, a still small voice. This is where we find the voice of God. I didn't write this one down, but in, I got to a place where I said, God, I had enough. I'd been let go from a position that I was told I was going to be there for the next 10 to 20 years. You're our guy in ministry. You're our guy. And I get called to the office one day and they say, we're letting you go. I'm like, but what happened to the 10 to 20 years? I thought I was your guy. Things have changed. Okay. Went home. God began just to, to work on me and so did the devil. You're not worthy. I, I was up for being ordained. I, I, I mean, there was a lot of positives that were going, and all of a sudden it was just a, I was defeated. And the devil stepped in. He said, you're not worthy. Look at what they did. You're not worthy to do what you do. God didn't call you to preach. God didn't call you to do nothing. You might as well just stay where you are. Lord sent me a verse in Exodus 14. It says, I will fight for you. You only need to be still. The voice of, the, of God comes in the still moments. It comes in the quiet places. It comes when we come out of our cave in our dark place, but we get into the presence of God in our prayer closet, in our time of worship with him, in the outdoors when you're sitting in the deer stand, ain't no deer coming around. I know you guys know this because I sit out there at times for hours and hours and hours and hours, and there ain't not a thing stirring except for just a noisy squirrel. And you're sitting here praying things against that squirrel. You're like, go, Lord. That's the devil, and it's a demon. Go, squirrel. 
And you're sitting here, I mean, you're, you're looking at yourself and going, do I shoot it? This is going to be horrible if I do, but do I not do it? Anyway, so you're, you're thinking these things. See, the devil just takes over even in the deer stand. So, <laughs> but I want to say, this is, is going to be my last point right here. It, it, when it seems like hell is welling up around you, then it's time to be intentional about listening to the small, still voice of the Lord that's speaking truth. It's not the time to be hell in the world, but to let the world consume you. It's time to be Jesus. Okay? It's not time to be hell to everybody else. It's time to be Jesus. So in closing, I, I want to give you guys some so seven basic principles that you can apply to help you discern if the voice that you are hearing is God's or the enemy's. Y'all ready? Here it is. God's voice will convict, but in love. Whereas the enemy's voice will bring guilt and condemnation. Number two, the voice, God's voice, will encourage and reassure. Thank you, Lord, for your hope. Whereas the enemy's voice will discourage and frighten. God's voice will lead, guide, and make you be still. The enemy will push and rush you. So if you're to a point today where you're trying to make a decision and somebody's pushing you from the back saying, make it, 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 stop. Step to the side and let them fall forward. Because God's voice says, be still. Listen to me. Number four, God's voice will calm us. The enemy will make us obsess and worry. Y'all hearing me on that? I know you don't. Oh boy, it got quiet on worry. The enemy's voice will make us obsess and worry. God doesn't want you to worry. He wants you to be calm because God's got this. God's voice will bring comfort, number five. The enemy's voice will bring chaos and compromise. So like I said, when hell is going on around you, if you're hearing that in your head, then that's the enemy's voice. But if you're sitting there and everybody's going, I don't know how you're so calm in the middle of all this. I got Jesus. I've got Jesus is what I've got. Won't you try him? Because you're really creating hell all around me. Stop. Be Jesus to those people. Be that calm in the storm rather than, than adding to the fuel of the fire. Stop gossiping about people. Stop it. Stop gossiping and, and adding fuel to somebody's fire and being a part of that conversation. When that person comes to you and says, oh, man, ain't she just horrible? Well, I can't stand working with her. Maybe you need to pray for her. It, it'll shock people. I've shot quite a few people at work. They're like, what? I'm like, move on. So we just move on. Number six, God's voice will bring clarity and confirmation. If you're not feeling confirmation, it's not God. 
you have to feel at peace with your decision. And I'm not talking about when we're going out here and, 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 and you know, we're going to lunch this afternoon and you and the husband are in the car. It don't take, it don't take two hours to figure out where we're going. All right, that, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. When you're talking about these life decisions of, of things, God wants to bring clarity and co confirmation to you, not confusion. The last one, and I love this. God's voice will bring Christ closer. The enemy's voice brings controlling spirits. Let me say that one more time. God's voice will bring Christ closer. And the enemy's voice brings controlling spirits. The word says, draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. Get closer to Christ. If y'all will stand with me. I just want to look at this and in, in, in conclusion of everything. Let's learn from the elderly lady in our story. I love this little old lady. Keep standing on your front porch and praising God when the storm is all around you. Keep crying out to God even when no one else is doing it and it's not popular. Because the Lord will fight for you and you only need to be still and keep praising him. And the last thing I want you to do is just look at your neighbor and say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Man, I'm telling you, God has... I couldn't have done this without him. I couldn't have done this without the Lord. And I know that God's voice speaks. I know he speaks. So I do want to put this out there today in, in two parts. And, and, and I want to say, if you've not given your life to Christ, if you're here under the sound of my voice and you haven't given your life to Christ, then today's the day to do it. Because I'm going to tell you, the signs that we're seeing in this world is leading closer and closer and closer to the return of Christ. And I'm telling you, don't believe what the world says. Believe what this says and start reading what this says because this is bringing us closer to the return of Christ. And people can sit there and say, Jesus is never going to return. It's been said for ages and ages and ages, but his word says he will. I was telling my kids last uh, on Friday night at dinner, I, was, I folded up my napkin and placed it there. I said, hey, I just want to let them know I'm coming back. If you don't know the story when Jesus died and they put him in the tomb, they laid him in the tomb and on the third day when they went to find his body, his clothes were folded. In Jewish custom, when you got up from the table, if you just threw your napkin down, that meant for the people to come and clear your plate because you're not coming back to finish. But what it means when you fold that napkin up and you place it there, that means you, you, you had to go do something else real quick, but you're coming back. So Jesus let us know right there, I am coming back. Don't take a time today to sit here and say, I have time. Because we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised two seconds from now. So I'm going to leave that up to you today. If you, if you want to receive Christ, we're going to have some folks up front. If you want to receive Christ, we will pray with you. 
We will, we will pray with you. We will lead you to Christ. But on the other side of that, if you just want to hear the voice of God more, like you just want to come down and spend some time with him. This is the first Sunday of 2024. I, I was excited when Pastor Josh says, you get to lead this sucker. I was like, what? I get to preach the first Sunday. This is awesome. What an honor to be able to do this. So let's start 2024 off right. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm, I'm just going to let you do your thing. If you want to come down and just speak with God, if you want to sit there and you want to speak with God in your own time, you do that as well. But if you if you want to give your life to Christ, if there's something that has been said here or in another sermon that you want to do that, don't wait. Make today the day that you know Christ.